There's been national controversy over children's hospitals pushing risky gender change surgeries and hormone treatments on kids. But we've got our own similar controversy right here in our own backyard at UVA. Plus, what's at stake in the midterm elections? We're gonna talk about that and more today. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. You know, you hear about kids doing these crazy TikTok challenges, and you think about it happening in public schools and just somewhere out there with crazy kids. But the fact is, kids in Christian schools... <laughs> also do these crazy things. And you've had experience with this lately, right, Victoria? <laughs> yes. I think anything goes when you have a boy. But yeah, so my son comes home one day and he start, immediately gets in the car and starts telling me that his stomach is feeling bad. And then he tells me why. And it's because during lunch, a whole bunch of him and his friends did a TikTok challenge. And just to kind of give you what it was, is apparently there's something out there called a one chip challenge. And apparently there is a product. It is an actual like purchasable product that is a chip made with the hottest peppers, I guess, out there is what they say. And you try to swallow this one chip. <laughs> all, to, all this to say, um, my son said there were eight of them and five of them ended up at the nurse and three of them were throwing up. Oh my word. <laughs> I'm just, why? Just why did they okay. do this? <laughs> well, first of all, I think we should just play a little bit of a clip because we actually found the challenge, you know, because you were investigating this, what happened to your son. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting. Let's just listen to a little bit of this. Starting to tingle. Okay, I'm starting to drool. Mm -hmm. I have so much spit. I feel like an alpaca. Bye-bye. First of all, I just have to say, I, I just don't think this kind of thing is appealing to girls. I mean, what is it about guys, boys, we're going to eat this horribly gross thing and see how much we can take? I, I just don't see girls doing that. I think I, from the parent side, I will just say I do think it's part of their normal development to try to, I think it is part of becoming a male that wants to be respected. They're trying to earn respect from their peers. It's just they don't really have the proper channels for that. And they pick these crazy things like, I'm going to prove that I am, you know, man enough to handle this weird chip. I can handle the one chip. I gotta and be not throw up. I gotta be honest, it doesn't fade because if <laughs> I mean at our college they had something called the Chili Fest and it was a bunch of guys and I'm I I, I gotta be honest, he comes by it naturally because my husband was part of the originator of this. <laughs> that literally it was this whole contest of who could eat the hottest chilies and it, I mean it had T-shirts and it was a whole thing. So it doesn't even age out necessarily until maybe full grown adulthood manhood. I I will say my husband's family has this story. He's one of four siblings, three boys and one girl. And they went to a state fair when they were little. And they all four took all the top four places in the pie eating contest. There you like, go. <laughs> the entire clan. I mean, I'm not sure. But at least that's pie <laughs> and not just some really hot potato chip or whatever that thing is. Yeah. I can respect pie eating. I mean, I, w I was thinking about it. For girls, when you think about what... We would do dares, but it was more something like, um, you know, truth or dare. It's not like, how much can I eat and not throw up? Yeah, I think it's just a different path for girls to find themselves appreciated by their peers. <laughs> I don't think they're worried about, can I out-eat you or out-, right. you know. <laughs> 
Thankfully, we can only have to handle that with our boys. Well, that's the fun of raising middle schools at middle school, boy. Yeah. Um, Well, diving into today's issues, we are getting down to the wire on these public comments on Governor Youngkin's changes to policies on how transgender issues should be handled in public schools. Please tell us the latest on that front. All right. Well, just to remember for folks, a little reminder, basically what we have is we now have a good policy being put forward by the Yunkin administration, but it has a 30-day period where people have to comment. And so we've got people sending in these comments to town hall. We are already up to 60,000 comments. So this is pretty unusual to have this level of of commenting um it's i think it's almost a record or at least approaching it a is a record for okay. sure and right. it'll be higher by the time this show comes out and they're least. basically it looks like neck and neck between both sides um but what's interesting about it is that lgbt groups have even announced that they're targeting the state board too so it's they're not going to just leave it at the commenting process they're actually going to try to show up with pressure to the board meeting even though the board actually doesn't make a final decision on this okay well we when you consider that all things considered, this is pretty much an obscure government comment center. This kind of thing doesn't usually generate statewide attention, that kind of heat. Why are we seeing this level of media attention, controversy? What's really at stake here? And why do these comments matter when it's all said and done? Well, the comments matter because there is a real push within our schools to create places that um, really silence those that oppose the LGBT agenda or even kids that just simply want a safe space to change their clothes or don't want to be compelled into pronouns. And so there's this this real aggressive effort um, in our public schools. And so um, I think that folks are that are engaged in that are carrying that through with this comment period. But I also think parents that are trying to react to that are saying, like, this is my chance to get a decent policy in our school. So I'm going to make my voice heard. And that's really what we need. Yeah. So it's becoming a flashpoint. Um, So what happens next after everybody gives their public comments? Well, after the 30 days, then the final decision will be made by the Young administration. And so we believe that hopefully they will stand their ground and stay with the good draft that they created. But they do have to respond to these comments. So they have to kind of go through them and react and then make a final decision. So we're just hoping there's enough support from our side to really give them the basis to say, yeah, these were the right idea in the first place and we're going to stick with them. And then as, assuming they stay as is, people will be able to take that to their school boards and ask them to align with it. Yes, that's the goal is that every s- sort of public education entity, city, county, will actually then use these as the basis for their policy. So people are going to have to take it to that next level because it's not assumed. It is something that every county makes a decision on. Well, if you want more information on this or an easy access to the comment link, just go to familyfoundation.org. Just hit that public comment banner. You'll get all the information you need. And I'll mention that our Protect Every Kid initiative is going to continue to come alongside parents when it comes time to go to these school board uh, school board meetings and ask them to align with the improved, uh, the revised uh, policies that now respect parents, hopefully. Speak up, listeners. Have you voted yet? Voting has already started in Virginia for the midterm elections, which will have major impact on the life, family, and freedom issues that we talk about on this show. Vote today at your registrar's office. Learn more at familyfoundation.org. Just look for the voter information banner. I really think one thing that's also driving a lot of the emotion on this whole public comment thing is that there's a medical component in the background here that's involved in this whole idea of do no harm. Because when you push kids down a path of trying to do something that ultimately is scientifically impossible, which has changed their biological gender, 
you're not just talking about a little reversible experiment or experimenting. You're talking about pushing them down a life-altering path to irreversible medical surgeries in a lot of cases. Yeah, I think so many people lose sight of that, that just hear about this on television or see it in their school board, and they just think this is just about pronouns. This is not just about pronouns. This is absolutely about a path that can end in infertility. It can end in permanently damaged body organs. It is devastating. And unfortunately, they're ignoring a lot of the studies that are actually out there that say a lot of kids that are struggling with this, that are experiencing some confusion around this, actually would align again with their natural God-given sex if they simply gave it time and actually didn't rush forward on a path of confusion that I think our school is actually in many our schools are actually pushing. Yeah. And then you have the whole um, principle that our medical community was founded on, which is the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. And you have to square some of what's being becoming politicized with that. Um, and despite that reality, you know that we have scientific fact, that we have ethics, do no harm ethics in our medical field. We see all this news coming out about these well-respected children hospitals that we've all admired and trusted for years, you know, in the Boston, Seattle areas and other places, that they've been promoting these drastic puberty blockers and um, just to be frank here, you know, breast removal for very young girls and in many cases, these are kids, these are children who are just entering their teen years. But here's the deal. People might think that's just happening in a far off state somewhere else. But actually, we've learned about a similar situation right here in our own backyard at UVA. Yeah, that's right. We have now seen reports bringing to light the fact that University of Virginia's Children's Hospital, so UVA, has what amounts to a youth sex change track that basically starts with getting kids on puberty blockers as young as 11 and could culminate with what you mentioned earlier, which is like a referral for mastectomies at the age of 16. Yeah, that's just so heartbreaking to think about. Well, what do you think is happening with the medical profession? Why, despite the fact they have as doctors the scientific facts, um, we see what's coming out about premature harm to children. We see, um, you know, Britain going the opposite direction, pumping the brakes on this, on pushing kids into uh, surgeries. Why do we still, you know, we see here in the United States, at least right now, this still being embraced, um, pushed by respected medical associations? Well, I, I can't say for sure, but I can say it's scary when ideology is driving the science, not the science driving what should be medical care. And I, I don't know yeah. how we got to that place, but I will tell you that there's a lot of money involved. And I don't think we can ignore that. I think you have to be willing to be honest about what's going on, because if you undertake the transition that they are trying to offer and acting like this is going to be a solution, you are permanently tethered to the medical community for the rest of your life. You will have appointments, you will have medicine, you will have surgeries. The rest of your entire life has you in their medical facility. And I just don't think we can look past that. And the fact that they're starting this at this incredibly young age. So imagine by 16, you are permanently tied to constant medical appointments. That should be enough to halt everything and say, you better at least know what you're doing as a full-blown adult. But we're just not there yet. And so we're seeing this dev devastation. And we're seeing hundreds of so-called gender pediatric, even kid gender clinics popping up across the United States. And of course, we've seen Planned Parenthood's gotten into the game of hormone blockers. So everybody's jumping in because there's money to be had.
Yeah. And then when you try to square that against how long it takes them to test out drugs for things that we are all concerned about, like breast cancer, Alzheimer's, um, just malaria. Um, and, you know, they pump the brakes on those things to make sure that there's no in, in you know, Side undue risk. Or, yeah. And yet we're rushing ahead with this. It's just like you said, it's ideology behind it. Um it's amazing what ideology will allow us to ignore when there right. are real facts and real science. But yet, if something is in one's mind that this is the, quote, right thing to do, which is, I think, really what the liberal left would say, then you end up in a situation where you ignore really important points. And what's funny is when you have kids and you're going, you're watching them go through science labs and you have them do science reports and you sit there and go, if they ignored a fact that big, they'd get an F on that science lab. But we're doing that. And our kids are the experiment. Well, now it's to the level where we're getting Justice Department reports again. I just saw this news coming out that the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Medical Association have apparently joined in a letter to the Justice Department. Once again, we have, you know, these associations asking the Justice Department to target people that aren't towing the party line. And I think they they phrase it, um, you know, like, a high-profile social media people or something along those lines posting um, what they call um, inaccurate information or misinformation. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought we keep seeing this misuse of the Justice Department and FBI and all this. This is the new trend. We're going to weaponize government to shut down any thoughts or, or speech or anybody that disagrees with us, and we should be very alarmed by that. I mean, obviously, in this case, because they're enforcing something that's horrible for our kids— but generally, the idea that we're going after people who view things differently should should send chill bumps yeah. across everybody. I don't know what it's going to take to wake people up. But speaking of that, so I do want to make a bit of a hard turn here. And, and let's just talk about that for a minute. The midterms are fast approaching. Voting has actually already started here in Virginia, right? Yeah, we're already in voting season. And I just have to talk about what's at stake here. This is a big deal. Um, the, the Congress hangs in the balance. And that, by that, I mean... Its control could be by either party, depending on how these elections go. And the parties have two totally different visions of what happens to our country. And so in Virginia, we have 11 U.S. House representatives that wherever, depending on where you live in Virginia, who you're going to be voting to choose between. But there's a lot of issues that I think we need to care about who's in those positions. Yeah, because this time we don't have any senators, um, but we are voting on 11 U.S. House representatives. Um, yeah, tell us about some of those issues, how they will actually impact biblically-minded Virginians. Well, I think the one that people are really paying attention to right now is, of course, life issues. And so we have the the, the secular um, left side that really wants to put in a, a federal law that would give a, quote, right to abortion. Um, on the conservative side of that, we actually have folks that want to put in a 15-week uh, ban on abortion at the federal level. So you've got the life issue at play. You've got redefining marriage has been a bill that's been going through. You've got things like um, parental rights and social indoctrination in school boards. All these things are actually at play, even at the congressional level. And the disturbing thing about that is, you know, we can have all these battles at the local school board level, but if you've got uh, the Biden administration working in tandem with Congress that just does a, a sweeping policy undermining parental rights. That kind of makes the other things uh, moot at that point. Well, and who's the cross check on when the DOJ is we just talked about? If they yeah. are issued up against our citizens because they have different views, guess what? It's Congress that investigates them if you've got a Congress that cares about weaponizing government. 
Yeah, and then you mentioned the marriage issue, and that's going to be, if they push through what they're wanting to at the congressional level, that would directly threaten the freedoms of those of us in every state that believe in biblical marriage. But just moving, speeding along here, if people want to act today and bring family or friends with them to vote right now after hearing with you know, what we've been talking about. What do they do? Well, the most important thing is you have to know where you live. We've been redistricted, so there are new congressional lines. So don't assume your old congressperson is who you're voting for. So you need to know that and you need to go to your registrar's office. Now, some people go, well, how do I know that? And how do I go to a registrar's office? Well, we try to make it as easy as possible. So really the easiest thing is just go to familyfoundation.org. There's a banner that's about voting information. So you just find the banner that says voting information, click on it, and we're going to have everything you need, including a link where you can put in your address and you can figure Figure out exactly what congressional district you fall in with the new lines and where your registrar's office is. It's easy to do. People do it today. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! You know, we were talking earlier in the show about how this public comment section on the transgender issues in schools has become this huge cultural flashpoint in our state. And just this struggle to ensure that parents' voices are fairly represented in the whole thing. And in the midst of all that, we started to see some real craziness with how people are trying to manipulate this comment section to actually skew results. I mean, it's almost getting to the level of election fraud kind of things. Yeah, this has gone bananas. I mean, we've got a totally disastrous situation. So to the point where at the Family Foundation, we actually decided to blow the whistle on what we were seeing. So basically, let me just, I'll give you the the big one. The big one is um, we're seeing that the LGBTQ activists are apparently using a stuff the ballot box tactic in our comment situation. So let me just tell you how this works. Equality Virginia, who is the statewide leading LGBT activist group, put out this notice to their followers, quote, we understand that navigating this page and potentially seeing comments with harmful language in support of the policy can be ne- can be a negative or triggering experience for folks, which is why we've created our own public comment portal where you can submit your comments instead and we'll upload them for you to town hall. Yeah, there are just so many places we can go with that. First of all, how could anyone possibly verify the actual authenticity of hundreds of comments, maybe even thousands, being dumped into the system by a single source? So I have to say, it does seem like people are taking some cues from the ballot box dirty tricks bag here. All right. And I'm just going to take this a little step further. And I have to point out the hypocrisy here. As a mom, the idea that they are saying that people are going to be triggered by comments when they don't care at all that kids are literally experiencing much worse than this in the actual bathrooms that we're talking about. I just can't believe that they think that that's acceptable. So, I mean, hello, we have young girls who have now actually been assaulted by biological boys in bathrooms. We have... In Loudoun, the Chesterfield County, yes. just the ones we know about. Yeah, that's all we know about, but who knows? And then, you know, we've got kindergartners that are being exposed to this transgender promotion behind people's back, and we're worried about comments. And also, if you've ever been to the town hall website where you leave the comments, you can't see other people's comments unless you click on them. So the only thing they could be triggered by is the title of the comment, which is usually, I support X. Catherine, <laughs> those five words could be detrimental to their emotional health. That's not fair. Four-word trigger. 
And we haven't even gotten into the spammers, apparent bots and hackers who front-loaded the whole comment section at the very beginning of the process. Now, when we think about how we're going to approach this, I think it was Michelle Obama who very eloquently said, when they go low, we go high. And obviously the leftists are not following that standard. But I think that we should, and we should use those words today to encourage parents, don't give up. Hang in there. We need to defeat deception with honesty and perseverance. Just keep on commenting, one person commenting at a time. Share it with as many of your friends as possible. We are pulling ahead with the comments. We just need to keep on going here. There are more than enough people out there that absolutely think that transgender guidelines need to focus on parents and make sure kids are safe. So all we need to do is just tell our friends and neighbors and have them get on there and comment. And we will have more than enough to prove that this is an important policy and that the administration has gotten it right this time. That's right. So again, go to our website, familyfoundation.org. Look for the public comment banner. It's an easy place uh, you can share with your friends and they can get immediate talking points and direct access to the link to comment. In the meantime, I guess that means we have to give this week's inconceivable award to Equality Virginia and other activists for bringing the stuff the ballot approach to an entirely new level and being creative enough to use triggering as a great justification. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.